Alrighty, welcome back, Bolt fam, to a winning edition episode of Chargers Powder Hour Podcast, episode number 41. Chargers beat the Browns 30 to 28 in a heart racing game, which is nothing out of the ordinary for, for us Charger fans, but man, this one really got the heart rate going. But uh, you know, it's all good, man. Came out with a dub, so that's all that matters. Colin Appel and Miles Ruka here. We are your co-host. How you doing, buddy? Dude, I'm doing great, man. It was definitely I was in fight or flight for a little bit this afternoon, but I have since bounced back. Um, it's gonna be an awesome victory Monday tomorrow. I actually had a bet with one of my professors who was a Browns fan, so um, can't wait to see him tomorrow. Looking forward to that. Um, but man, we we got it done in Charger fashion. Came down to the ropes. Um, and yeah, man, it was, what a game, what a game for sure. Yeah, man, it, it just had that, that feel of a game that was going to be back and forth to the very end. And I know a couple times they mentioned it on the broadcast of like, this feels very similar to last year's, uh, you know, game against the Browns where it was, it was back and forth. That one, a little bit more of a shootout. This one still every bit is, uh, as nerve wracking really. I mean, yeah, you know, they got off to a slow start and I actually, I didn't really watch the first, like, so I was, I was in my hometown and didn't have my laptop with me. So I kind of didn't watch the first like five, 10 minutes of the game just because I, I was busy at the time. And then I looked up and I'm like, Oh shit. Yeah. It already started. So then I finally tuned in on, uh, illegal streaming site which shall remain nameless but tuned in 14 nothing right away and i was just like fuck like <laughs> coming out flat and you know it's just, you never want to dig that dig that hole so it was good to see them fight scratch claw back into the game and you know i, I think the chargers were the better team today i, I think they just played a sloppy brand of football and shit they got away with it you know that's not always going to happen you know definitely some some miscues that went our way as well and a big huge fourth quarter int by none other than nos adderley so the guy that got essentially benched right before the did game you, comes up did with you watch the game it was gilman it was yeah. gilman that oh shit it was i'm sorry i had this switched up that's why um Fuck, thanks for the thanks for the catch there. I don't know why I had well, that's probably why I did have his name in my head. Um yes, Elohi Gilman actually stepping up, making the INT. So that I mean, you would have liked to think that would have ended the game right there, but like you said, Chargers gonna charger, gonna make it interesting. And we we really have Cade York to thank for the, for this W. Yeah, dude, Chargers fan base. If I ever meet Cade York someday, I'm buying him a beer for that one. So <laughs> shout out to him for that. You know, 54-yarder is definitely not a gimme. But, um, dude, when the second that we didn't get that fourth and two, I just – I had Vietnam flashbacks, man. Like, I was like, oh, shit. It's like yeah. the, the GTA meme where it's like, oh, shit, here we go again. Like, it's it's just the, the same stuff. It's a different week, but you know what? We got it done in the end, so let's talk about it a little bit. Yeah, let's get into it. And it, funny enough, you know, I had this thought earlier today after the game. You know, we had uh, our, our buddy Jacob Roach on 
for the pregame show from the Barking Browns podcast. And he he asked us a question, you know. It was basically along the lines of how sold are you guys on Brandon Staley? You know, he, he kind of mentioned that he doesn't know, um, you know, a lot about him outside just the, the national media narrative, and he wanted to get our takes on it. So I think we both answered around a six or a seven. And fuck it, I think it might have gone down after after a win. Like that, yeah. such a poor... I mean, I, I've seen a few people try to try to defend it on Twitter and in, in the aftermath, but you just can't. Like, it's a bonehead move. Uh, he got bailed out, which obviously for us is a good thing. You know, we, we still walk away with a W, but man, uh, yeah, you know, he he got bailed out because if they if we go on to lose that game, you know that that can be a that can be one of those moments or like key events that you just can't. You just can't get past, you know that that could be something they bring up six, seven, eight weeks down the road. It's like, oh yeah, but remember he lost that game. You know he doesn't. You know, so just glad we don't have to deal with all that shit. But also just like, what the fuck are we doing? Because if that's how we're going to operate in some of the biggest moments of the season, potentially, definitely makes me nervous. Dude, hundred percent, man. I think my my Brandon Staley thoughts are just on a teeter totter. It just goes week to week. You know, some weeks it's like, you know, well, we pulled that out. Really, no questionable decisions, or maybe there was one or two, but you know, we found a way to get it done. But yeah, right now it's definitely my morale towards Brandon Staley has gone down a little bit, honestly. Um, probably not as much as some people, just because like, you know, we hired Brandon Staley to kind of be this guy like that's just who he is but we've seen a more conservative side of him this year and that was just an area where the conservative play was the move and you know what it just we got bailed out thank you Cade York so you know it's it's just something that that's just how Brandon Staley wants to run this team that's how he wants to coach this team and I think we're just gonna have to suck it up going forward and there's gonna be moments where we win or lose based off of a decision made by the coaching staff and Unfortunately, that's just how it goes sometimes. But, you know, love them. Love them when things like that work out. But, you know, sometimes they just don't. And, and we've seen some questionable fourth, fourth down calls from him already in his time, you know, as coach of the Chargers. You know, last year, you know, going forward on fourth, and I can't remember exactly how long, Fourth and it was fourth and medium, you know, from our own like thirty yard line in, in the Raiders game, week eighteen, which resulted in a you know turnover on downs, and um, you know they were able to fight back from that, and you know still ended up losing the game. But you know those are decisions that you look back on after a game like that, and like had we punted there, who knows what could happen, right? So it just you, you like to be aggressive but there's definitely a thing of being too aggressive and i think brandon staley is really walking that line now who knows it you know like he said when it pays off he, we love him you know he's a hero but this is one of those ones that we got bailed out and it still is just like it's tough to enjoy the win almost because of how things ended you know like at the end of the day we're happy Right, I I had a great Sunday. Chargers won, Padres won, um, but there were still moments after that win where it just makes you kind of like, oh shit, like <laughs> you know, um, second guess it a little bit. 
I don't know. It's a it's a tough situation to put fans in because you know we, we obviously are happy with the win, but people aren't going to forget that one anytime soon. Really, you know that's going to be something that probably lingers for a while. Yeah, for me, I mean, I'm I'm enjoying this win just as much as I would any other win, but I, I get it 100%. Like, it's one of those things where it's kind of concerning at the end of the day. It's like, dude, if this is like a serious critical game going down the stretch and we lose by a point because of, a because of you know, good field position that we gifted them when we're already up by two, that would just, you know, really make or break us going forward. So it's definitely going to be something to keep an eye on and, like we've seen Staley earlier this year, you know, we have fourth and two or fourth and three from our opponents, like 40 yard line. And he chose to punt in a, in a situation in which, you know, that's a last year, especially that's a given we're going for that shit. But yeah, it's just, I think that's a great point. I like his aggressiveness, but like sometimes the use of the aggressiveness is definitely questionable. Well, that's a great point too, because it just seems like it hasn't been very consistent and, and not just definitely more so this year, but I mean, even, even over the course of the last season at times, you know, like it, it's not a consistent call. Like you said, you know, sometimes there's fourth and twos where, Hey, these are the time to be aggressive, you know, their side of the field, maybe you're up a score, you get it. You can really take the wins out of their sails. You know, that, that I think there's, there, like I said, there's a time and place to be aggressive Game on the line, minute left, your own side of the field. They only need a field goal. I, I think it's a different story, even if it's a touchdown. Because yeah. I, that I, I buy. You know, hey, I believe our defense can, can you know, keep them out of the end zone. Fuck it. Okay, let's ride. A field goal? That's ballsy. Yeah. And it's, it's the wrong call. It's the wrong move. And I, I did... <laughs> Like I said, right before we hopped on, I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw the ball being snapped. I was like, there's no fucking yeah. way. There's yeah. no way that they're being serious about this so, right yeah, now. But then you got to go to the narrative of, you know, I was just listening to Hops with Pop before this, and he kind of brought up a narrative of, you know, he doesn't, he didn't hate that call as much as some people did. But he brought up the narrative like, you know, what if we get that fourth and two? You know, how big of a deal is it then? You know, because that's just something that we're just going to write off and we're just going to say, well, you know what? Ice the game. We just take a few knees and we're out of there. So you got to think about it that way. Like, if we get it, then we probably look back and we're like, you know what? Staley was aggressive and it paid off. But now people are going at his throat because he was aggressive and it didn't pay off. And I just think that's the kind of coach that Brandon Staley is. Sometimes it's going to work and he's going to look like a wizard and other times it's just not and he's going to look like a dumbass. And that's just who he is as a coach. Yeah. No, that's that's a great point great point to make. I mean, it definitely would be a different conversation. We'd probably even feel differently about it had it gone correctly or gone the way we wanted it to. The other part of that that you know I wanted to bring up was was the the play call itself. You know, I think fourth and two, you know, just like I think immediately back to last week, you know, when I was at the at the Houston game. And there was that big fourth down and two that, you know, it was a play action rollout. Eckler is wide open. You know, you got maybe 15, you know, 10 to 15 yards. And like, those are the types of play calls I want to see on fourth and short. You know, the lack of creativity that this offense has and those crucial downs is another part of the whole situation 
that makes me a little uneasy, you know, because I, I see teams over here like Buffalo and Kansas City, and they're, and they're so creative. They, they can get one or two yards a thousand different yeah. ways. We went to Mike Williams on a, like, I, I mean, there, it was it was a one-read play, really. You know, it was one, one prog- progression play. That was pretty much, it was Mike Williams or bust. And it, it just, that's what worries me as, as well, you know, is just the play call like, itself. Especially in scenarios like that, that's when fucking Keenan Allen makes such a difference, dude. If we have Keenan Allen in that fourth and two, we're probably looking back. If we had Keenan Allen today, we're probably looking back and it's not much of a game going into the fourth quarter. You know, he's third and Keenan, fourth and Keenan for a reason. Like, that's just a scenario. I I respect the fact that they were trying to get it to the hot hand, as in Mike Williams. You know, they're giving Mike Williams an opportunity to try to make a play. But again, just just the balls. But that's the thing is like, do you want to put the game? Do you want to put the game on the line and hope Mike Williams bails you out and makes a play? Like you're you're asking for a pretty acrobatic catch, um, and for him to come down with it. Or speaking of hot hands, what about Eckler and Kelly? I mean, they had been gashing him all day. You tell me you can't draw up something a little better than that for a guy like Kelly or Eckler to get him in space. And there's your two yard. I mean, fucking Eckler can carry guys for two or three yards. Like you know, if you get him the ball in space with a little bit of cre- creativity. You should, in theory, be able to get those those closeout yards and end the game right there. So, I just I wanted to address that too because I thought it was an interesting play call with the game on the line and just the scenario itself. You know, being where, where you're at on the on the field. So, hey man, it worked out. You know, this is all just and this is what this is what I what I mean by it kind of sucks that. We're still talking about this, and probably will be for a while. It just kind of takes the wins out of a out of out of your sail. And what was a, a win? You know, we talked about it all the time. You take a win any way you can get it, any way you slice it in this league. Um, so they did enough to win. They got the job done, and you know, I think. Well, let me ask you this. I think this is a great question. Did the pot Padres Padres did win today? Thank God. Did the Chargers win or did the Browns lose Dude, this you're game? all over the place. Apparently, the Padres played the Browns today, and apparently Nasir Adderley had the pick. You're all over the place, dude. Dude, I know. I'm sorry. It's been a long it's weekend. I get fucking... It's 10 o'clock that we're recording this. It's a late night for us, but... Yeah, I just don't mind anything I say. I mean, just ignore it. <laughs> shit. I mean, at the end of the day, the Browns obviously had a clear opportunity. It came down to... You know, a rookie kicker, but somebody that has been pretty lights out this year up until this game, you know, it was all yeah. on his shoulders to win the game for the Browns, and he didn't get it through. So, you know, as as much as, you know, I think the Chargers did make the plays necessary to win the game when it mattered, especially, like, you look at the Aloe pick at the goal line, but, you know, at the end of the day, the Browns did lose the game. Like, it was, it all came down to a few minuscule inches on that kick. So, overall, I want to say I think the Chargers, the Chargers definitely played well enough to win. You know, we saw some things go down the line that could have changed the trajectory of the game, you know, like that. Did you did you see that, um, the uh, roughing the passer on SJD? Like, that was, Bullshit. That was brutal, man. I just saw a tweet on my phone that said that, Cade York's missed field goal was the gods making up for that horrible roughing the passer call. Like, 
But that's just football, dude. Like, you can't look back on something in the second quarter and say, well, we lost because of that or we won because of that because, you know, something can happen in the second quarter that's going to change, you know, the whole course of the game. You know, if let's say that the Browns take away three there. And then, again, if we're up five in that in that scenario, then Brandon Staley going for on fourth and two isn't as much of a big deal. So you can't really look at things like that and look at things earlier in the game and say, well, we lost because of this because it changes the whole course of the game. So, you know, I want to say that the Chargers – I think the Chargers did play well enough to win. I think that they got it done when it mattered. Obviously, massive play on the goal line. You know, they got that – they ran some time off the clock. They had that Mike Williams crossing route that went for 15 yards to run clock down, get us some yards. But, yeah, I mean, it, it came down to a kicker who missed a field goal. So it's it's hard to really look at that and say who won the game versus who lost the game. I'll go, just, I'll, I'll go ahead and say the Browns lost this game. I mean, you're definitely right. The Chargers made made enough plays, did enough to win the game. But at, at the end of it, I think, you know, the, the, the Chargers – try to hand this game away, which I think is the mo- just the most frustrating part about it. Um, you know, and yeah, I, I, I'm not afraid to say the Browns lost this game. We didn't win it. We had a chance to win it. Um, we just, we didn't, you know, like you said, if, if we make that fourth and two, it's a completely different narrative. And, but like they still had the chance and they, they didn't win the game. If they, if they convert on that fourth and two, the Chargers win this game. They didn't. They, they gave the Browns a chance to win it, and the Browns lost it. So, um, you know, you take a win any way you can get it, but, you know, I think I think we the Browns lost this game more than we won. But, but I do just anyways. Add, like, this is – Yeah. Just being Chargers fans for so many years, like, this is a game that we lose in the past. Like, I think that something within that locker room, something about the culture has changed where we can win games like this. You know, that was – Imagine, imagine they make that field goal. That's just the most classic Chargers loss of all time. But you know, yeah. they just they just found a way. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say that the Chargers found a way. Kate York found a way, thank God. But um, like, they, but at <laughs> yeah. the end of the day, like they just something about the morale, something about the culture in that locker room just kind of got it done today. So, I guess we yeah. have the football guys to take for that. Well, and I think, you know, we should definitely talk about some of the positives from this game because there were a number of positives. You know, the offense looked really good um, pretty much the entire day. You know, I think Justin Herbert's stat line isn't, you know, doesn't tell the whole story of his game. You know, 22 of 34, 228, and a touchdown. Um, you know, would have liked to see them take advantage of the red zone opportunities a little bit more. But, you know, I, I, I still... I think this the ribs are affecting him. Uh, he's still playing very well. It hasn't really just the Jacksonville game is the one, you know, noticeable. Like, oh man, he does not look like Twitter himself. Twitter today was talking um, about like Justin Herbert played like shit today, and I was like, okay, no turnovers, two twenty eight and a touchdown. Apparently, is shit when you are fucking grounding and pounding the ball the entire game. No, he's not going to for four hundred yeah. yards when our running back has one hundred and seventy four on the ground on fucking. 13 carries Justin Herbert was perfectly fine today it's just other formulas were working so people that have that narrative just like no no he definitely did not play a poor game by any means um I think it's more so I think the ribs were where where it's affecting him 
is those deep shots down the field. The ones that you have to put a little bit more oomph into. Uh, I think that's, that's for me, that's been the most noticeable thing. And now that's not to say he hasn't had some nice, you know, deep balls as well. He had the, the one in Jacksonville, <laughs> which was in balls. <laughs> um, no, but he had that throw in Jacksonville that was just on a fucking rope down the field um, on a seam route. So, you know, I think we might not see as many home run plays that we're, we're used to seeing out of him. Oh, but, you know, overall, he sucks. But, yeah, it does. But, I mean, but he got the, got the job done, played nice, turnover free. That's all you can you gotta ask look for. At it, though. Like, um, first half, he did have – we're just we're honestly just not even throwing deep shots. So it's hard to really take that into account. And obviously, maybe they're totally game planning away from deep shots because of the ribs. But, I mean, he did have yeah. – he had that dot to Mike Williams to set up um, one of the first scores. I feel like it was the throw to Austin Eckler, but he had that on – like a third down, just put it up there for him. Mike Will made went and made a play. And then, dude, that – I don't know if you were able to see that touchdown catch by Mike Will that got overturned because his heel just barely touched that yes. bounds. But holy shit, that ball and that catch was beautiful. And he was – I wanted them to keep it – keep that – because we scored next play anyway, so it's not like that's something that ended yeah. up hurting us. Ball that was lie. just so beautiful. So, Ball does not ball lie. Does not lie. So, so, yeah. That no, that was a. I thought for a second there was a small chance they could keep it with the two toes down, but apparently, apparently, the rule book is it's got to be toes and heel. Well, I think no, I think if it was if, just toes, it was fine, but because the heel was also out, because yeah, yeah because the heel, like yeah, no, you're right. If it's it's it can be just toes, but if the heel is going to come down, the heel also has yeah, to come exactly. down. So if he would have just got the toe down, just toe drag that a little bit. Cause dude, that was fucking. That was just a Mike Will, dude. Am I crazy if I say Mike Will's a top ten receiver in the NFL right now? Well, he had ten receptions for one hundred and thirty four today. And so. look at what he did last week. Last week he had a hundred and like I want to say eighteen or something. Which, which you got to take it. Without he, Keenan Allen's out, but exactly. I was just gonna say, you know, he's doing all this without Keenan, so he's got a few more eyeballs on him than he's probably used to. Um when it comes to getting attention from, from defenses and coordinators kind of scheming around shutting him down. Um, because yeah, outside of Mike Williams, the leading, the top receiver was Joshua Kelly and he only caught two balls, two for 33. So a couple big chunk plays there, Austin Eckler, four for 26 Palmer had a couple grabs for 24. Um, you know, so spreading it, spreading it around a little bit. Gerald Everett only caught one ball for two yards. Um, wasn't the game script, but, you know, and he had to deal with Paul Parham yeah. was back as well. So he's got to deal with that. Yeah, exactly. And Parham did not. Involved, so. This doesn't have targets, but Parham did not finish the day with a catch. He had the target on um, the goal line, but I can't really remember another one. Yeah. So and you know, they'll, they'll work him back in. You know he's he's still getting into playing shape and kind of knocking some rust off from missing a, a decent amount of time. Uh, but let's talk about this fucking Russian attack because did any of us really see this kind of day from from the running game? No, definitely not. And the crazy thing is, is we were just on the podcast um, with um, what's this? Why am I blanking on his name? Jacob. Jacob. Yep. Yeah, sorry. We were just on the podcast with Jacob. Sorry, Jacob. I forgot your name for a second. But, um, and he said that, you know, the Browns 
are just getting gashed in the run game going forward. And, you know, it, probably in you and I's heads both, we were probably like, well, it's not like we really have much of a rushing tack. Like, we looked pretty good last week, but, like, going forward. And then Austin Eckler, 174 yards today, two touchdowns. No, I just – well, oh, he had one receiving three, one, three, one rush. Was it not three total? No, two total. One receiving, oh, one, one running. Yeah, two touchdowns, one in the receiving game, one in the rushing game. And, like, that – that run that he had for the touchdown was a mean run, dude. Fought through a face mask, yeah. juked out a few defenders. He just – he looks like – he almost looks new and improved. Like, he looks insanely good re- these last two weeks on the ground. Yeah, I mean, like, it's shocker, right? You, you get one of your best skill players, the ball, with space and, and scheme around him. Good things are going to happen. I think that's – one of the most frustrating things about the start to this season, you know, at times with the offense kind of sputtering, you know, it's not rocket scientists. Now I know I'm not an offensive coordinator in the NFL, but in theory, you know, it's pretty simple to say, these are your best players, use them, get the ball to them as much as you can and good things should happen. So 16 carries a hundred and this one says 173. Uh, but I like 174 sounds better, so we'll go with 174. Um, while we're at it, yeah, 175. There you go. I really did for a second think he could get to 200, and I think he he probably could have had Staley put the ball in his hands a few more times down the stretch, uh, because he was gashing him. He's at, he averaged 10.8 yards Why? on the ground I mean, today. I thought he was decently fast. How did he not score on that 70 yard one yarder? Dude, it gave me oh. Justin Jackson's big run against the Patriots yeah. last year vibes. Because yeah. he got hawked down. I, I was at that game, oh and, and he got hawked down. And I'm like, seriously? Like, I feel like anyone else, when, when those plays happen to us, they're house calls. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we know Eckler's more of a power back anyway. He's not the fastest dude on the field. But you would think that, you know, just if I were him, I just would have ran a little bit faster. But that's just me. Um <laughs> That me personally, I just would have ran a little bit faster and gotten into me personally. Like, I probably just would have went for three hundred something today, but you know that's okay. True, that's okay, but built dude, different. Yeah, Austin Eckler. You know, I, I think I mentioned it last week when I said is a, is Austin Eckler officially back? He's back and maybe better in this. Let's be honest. And obviously, this is against this was against the Texans and the Browns, two of which do not boast very great run defenses. Next week against the Broncos is going to be a massive test for him. We'll see how that goes. But, dude, I mean, Austin Eckler is – he's him. He's himothy right now for sure. He's hes probably our most dy- – him or Mike Wills, our most dynamic playmaker probably on the field right now. Yeah. And I need to say this because I had this thought during today's game as well. I think some people have already kind of admitted or, you know, said this what I'm about to say. But I think there's a lot of fans out there that were kind of are still maybe holding on to the last bits of, you know, this argument. But I owe Josh Kelly an apology. Dude is has totally turned the narrative about him around, just even from six games ago, and it's really nice to see him step up and 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 kind of slide into that RB2 role. You know, it's it's really his now for for the, the time being. Um he looked good, man. He's 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 running north to south. Um 
you know, he looks decisive. He, he's he's taking, you know, good, good reads and making good decisions with the ball. Um, I don't think he's fumbled yet, which I know has been a knock on him in the past. And just, I, I owe him an apology. He, he, is, he is a good NFL running back. And I don't think any of us would have said that even, uh, you know, six That's months why. ago. That's so, why I thought Eckler had two rushing touchdowns was because I forgot Kelly got that other one. So my apologies. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just, I mean, he looks good, man. He passes the eye, the eye test when, you, when you're watching him on the broadcast. He, he's physical. He's tough. Um, he, he fights for some extra yards. And I, he, he's really been a nice compliment for, for Austin Eckler. I know if anyone is as on his team, <laughs> like needs a little, like deserves – little bit more help from their position group it's it's austin eckler you know he's been asked to do so much over the last couple seasons and it's nice to finally see him have a a serviceable sidekick and just to mention in the running game real quick do you think our coaching staff has finally caught on sony michelle is trash one carry zero yards today that's so funny that you said that because i i was going to mention that as well um less of maybe he's i mean there are parts of his game i think that he does bring value to this offense, but those pieces just don't move the needle very much like pass pro and, you know, veteran leadership only goes so far. <laughs> like, you know, that's, it's not going to outweigh, you know, what, what Kelly's doing um, in open space running the ball. I mean, it's just right now he's, he's a more valuable runner. And I think, see, this is where I don't know about Sonny Michelle. Like there's a chance. I think He's not on the active roster in, in a couple of weeks. I mean, I don't know. Obviously, we don't get to watch practice, but you know, Staley has said a few times, you know, uh, to media that like Spiller's practicing well. They're trying to get him to a point where he can compete, and if they feel he is a top three running back at some point, then he will be active on the roster, and and we'll see him in, in game action. So, potentially a, an opportunity. For, for Isaiah Spiller to, to step up and, and, and try to convince his coaching staff, hey, you might as well have me out there on, on Sundays instead of uh, Sony Michelle because, you know, we can have a three-headed monster at running back instead of a, a two-headed and then a guy that's, you know, a good veteran leader. Like, that that's great. We need that. But yeah. um, I understand what he can bring to this offense, but I it's just not enough to take away carries from Kelly and Eckler. Not even close to enough. So... I understand what he can do in pass pro and things along that line, but you know, I wanted I wanted to bounce over to dude, offensive line. Wow, wow, definitely their biggest test of yes. the year against Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney, and wow, did they? And they passed with flying. Colors. No sacks allowed. Obviously, ran for three billion yards on the ground. What a what a game for them. Yeah, man, it's it's so. This is quickly becoming one of my favorite storylines and, and players to follow. Uh, it's Trey Pipkins, man. For sure, him, him, it's him been... and Salier for me, but definitely Pipkins from what we've seen in the past. Because you know Salier coming in was more of a wild card. We didn't know what to expect. Trey Pipkins, we have this notion of what to expect, and he has completely shut the door on that. So, yeah, no, I mean just to see a guy that was a developmental draft pick in the third round, you know, Telesco bought, bought, bought him high. You know, he, he 
you know, it very easily. And it looked like at times it was a bust of a pick, you know, um, slowly kind of started seeing some, some progression, some, some good things, um, last year when, when he was forced to, to into, into action. And, and now, you know, it's, it's very clear that I think he could be the, the right tackle for this team going forward and, and earn himself a contract this year. You know, it's awesome to see, you know, he's, He's really gelling on that right side with, with Zion Johnson, the chemistry that they've created. Uh, it's translating now to the run game, and we all saw what happened today. You know, it's I think with Rashawn Slater out, this is the best bet is to run behind Zion and and Pipkins. It's it's lanes are opening up on that side, and that, that just it wasn't the case at the start of the year. You know, the left side was the strong side. Rashawn Slater, Matt Filer, Corey Lindsley. I mean you know, you're going to pull that way and then run behind those guys. But I think Trey Pipkins has really helped this offensive line become more vers- versatile and uh, they're able to do more in the running game, and which is insane. And I'm so happy for him. Uh, he got a game ball today. So, I mean, the whole the offensive, offensive line, line did. Yeah. But, man, yeah, I'm really proud of this offensive line and how they've gelled and, and really figured it out in, in a – in pretty much a hurry, you know, when, when Slater went down, I think we all were like, fuck, it's over. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. Nothing's going to matter if Slater's out, you know, Corey Lindsley was banged up. It just did not look great. And they've kind of survived it. They've uh, kept the boat afloat. And, and now it's, it even looks like it, it's starting to thrive a little bit. So, yeah, man, the offensive line played great. No, don't know what pressures looked like, but no no hits and no oh no i think they had one hit right uh, yeah well couple hits the, or no no yeah maybe and then they just registered they i mean in the book it says it's registered for one sack for one yard but that was literally just a scramble for a loss of one so oh, i mean, gotcha i'm not herbert sack i'm himself. not really counting that but i mean in the book it counts but no i'm not going to give that to him but yeah man I mean, I think both of us said that Slater was definitely somebody that we – not Slater, sorry. Pipkins was somebody that we needed to break out this year. And I know we both said – we both believed in it, but we both definitely had our speculations. And so far he has been exactly what we've been looking for and exactly what we need on that offensive line. I'm When he, when he went down today and I thought in my head, dear fuck, now we're going to see Storm Norton play the rest of this game. And just – the toughness yeah. to come back out there and finish that game and do how he did is just something that you just love to see and something that's going to really that resonates in the locker room for sure. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent, man. I, I did also want to give some quick flowers to, uh, you know, a guy that wasn't even on this team a week ago um, and, and scored, scored some crucial points today, helped the chargers win. That's Taylor Bertolet kicker um kind of a journeyman kicker and uh yeah it's, it's always cool to see you know that, that's got to be such a fun story you know just for his, his family his friends um to just kind of be sure. all of a sudden in the middle of an nfl game kicking you know huge kicks really that that ad- added up to win the game you know there weren't any uh, garbage time field goals or you know just extra points and and, and uh chip shots you know those 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 are some big time points and the chargers had to have yeah. them and it, it ended up being, you know, a difference in the yeah. game. So 
Um, wanted to give some flowers to him yeah. as well. Just real quick before we move to the defensive side of the ball, there's just one offensive player I just wanted to ask you about. You know, somebody that we, not just us, a lot of Bolt Nation was really high on going into the year. Is it officially time to close the book on the Josh Palmer bandwagon? Great question. Um, no, I don't think no? so. I don't think so. I think I think maybe we need to, as fans, sit down and reassess what our actual expect, like our actual expectations of what he, like what what realistically what are our expectations for him? Because I feel like we want him, like he's just not going to get a lion's share of targets and like yes he's going to be I mean especially when Keenan Allen comes back um he's a good piece of this offense I don't he's definitely not a, a focal point um so I think you kind of have to take that into, into into account you know like how like if if you're sitting there kind of upset that he hasn't had a 100 yard game or I think he he had like 97 one week uh, I think in the Jacksonville game, but that's just not who he is as a player right now, especially in this offense, if that makes sense. Um, so I think that's part of it. You know, I think he's a true wide receiver three and there's just not a lot of wide receiver threes in the league that are going to put up wide receiver one or two numbers. Like, yeah, especially with all the other weapons that Herbert has, you know, in the backfield now, um, tight ends, like there's just so much, well, there's only so much love that you can share. Yeah. I, sh- I should say. You gotta take, like, um, so I don't. Sorry, sorry. What's up? But you got to take in like the emergence of DeAndre Carter, who's been better than we could have ever, you know, thought that he would be this year. Or you know, Gerald Everett. You got to. I think even him. Back. I think he, he had two catches for nine yards today. So like, has Carter really been maybe not outside maybe of a, not really. a good week yeah, one? Maybe not necessarily this um, week, but he's definitely been somewhat of a vocal point in the last few games, or at least week one, week two, when we weren't really seeing Kelly do much either. So it's just something to think about. Yeah, I, I'm i going to say no for now. I do. I will say that I think with Keenan Allen missing time, I think maybe that, you know, people's expectations of him grew a little bit, and rightfully so. Like, anytime you, you know, if you're the next wide receiver up, you know, you – people are going to look at you and, and hope that you can ball out. And he did have a good game. I just think he got lost in the garbage time of what was Jacksonville for the majority of it. Um, but, I mean, I don't know how many targets he had today. Who? But Palmer. Uh, he had – I just remember he had six targets. So, he was second on the team in targets. Obviously, Mike Williams, 13, Palmer, six. And then Ector had four. So, but I just – and see, in my in my eyes, I'm I'm not ready to close the book on it quite yet. But even in the opportunities that he's got, he just hasn't really, you know, done much with them. You know, he hasn't showed the flashes that I think we we wanted him to come in and show. Especially with the fact that Keenan Allen's been down the last few weeks. So I don't know. Like he 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 had a pretty bad drop on a third down at the goal line earlier today, and he just hasn't really yep. showed what I think. I think that we maybe you and I had some pretty lofty, maybe not necessarily lofty, but we definitely had our fair share of expectations for him, and he has definitely not met them. So it's just something to think about. Yeah, it's still early too. I mean, there's you know adjustments he can make, and um, 
hey, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we, we were kind of starting to have these conversations about Eckler. True. <laughs> and, like, look how much that's changed, you know. But so, Eckler was also a guy uh, that we've seen go ape shit in the past, and we just haven't seen anything from Palmer yet. So that's why you like, got to – expectations are hard. I also think the thing about this offense, it's not built on just, like, one or two main options. Like, yes, they have those one or two main options, but it's not built around that. Like, we've seen Her- – like, Herbert's going to share – spread the love – as much as he can, you know, we've seen already this year. Yeah. Like Xander Horvath, right. Um, Gerald Everett, uh, you know, now Donald Parham's back in. That's another guy to throw to DeAndre Carter, Josh Palmer, Austin Eckler, Josh Kelly, Mike Williams, Keenan. Like there's so much love to spread. Um, that I think that, you know, that that's something to, to take into account too, but, um, it's just not, it's not an offense that, that's not the Raiders. They're not going to try to force feed Devonte Adams in every fucking play. Um, so I don't know. I, I I'm yeah, not ready to move off that yet. But that's a a great question and an even better point. Yeah, man, it's it's definitely something to keep an eye on going forward. I think obviously Keenan Allen's health is going to be taken into account with how successful Josh Palmer can be, but. You know, with that, is there anything else you wanted to add along with the offense? No, no. Let's go ahead and transition this biatch over to the defensive side of the so, ball. First and uh, foremost, I just want to bring up maybe the elephant in the room on defense. Um, J.C. Jackson, dude. Yeah, I think – and I think uh, I was watching Staley's presser before we hopped on, and, um, you know, they were kind of asking about that too. And he was like, look, you know, he's he's – he missed four weeks, right? Like, and he looks like a guy that's missed four weeks. Um, and then he, and then you insert him into a Chiefs game where he played really well, um, and went from zero to a hundred. So then you you lost him for a week because he was sore. Now he's just like, it hasn't been the best, the ideal start for him in a Chargers uniform. But I, I just, I'm not gonna sit here, week five, and and say that I'm worried about him. Um, if he has an eight or nine more weeks that look like today, I think I'm ready to have that conversation. But he looks like a guy that's sore, a little out of shape, needs to kind of get his legs back underneath him. And we, uh, we talked about this uh, on the pod with Jacob the other day. And, you know, I think we're going to see the best football out of JC Jackson down the yeah. stretch. He's going to get a little bit better every week. Um, still doesn't mean he's not susceptible to big plays and, and whatever, but uh, I think he's going to have this slow climb and then towards the end of the year, I think we'll be talking. I still think, I mean, I really do believe we'll be talking about him as one of our best players on defense, um, you know, heading heading into the playoffs. So, um, yeah, you know, not not his best day, but it wasn't the defense's best day. You know, I don't, it's definitely not just on J.C. Jackson. I mean, this defense for a couple weeks now, has just kind of looked, I think the best word I can use to describe it is just underwhelming. Yep, that would be the word that I would use as well. And obviously you got to take Bosa's injury into account, but it's like, you know, I just want to, sorry, I'm going to mention something about J.C. Jackson because I feel like we're going to pivot off that. But, you know, J.C. Jackson, he even came out in a report the other day and said that his ankle feels like it's 90%. So, Again, not fully healthy. And Pop, again, I was just listening to Hops with Pop before, and he was talking about it. He just kind of gave you some relief. Um, but he did mention something about, you know, 
Staley mentioned how he's somebody that they're just really working on, working with, and they're kind of, I don't even want to say nursing back, but kind of in a sense, and it's like, we, we kind of paid him all this money to come in and be an elite shutdown corner right away. We didn't really pay him. And obviously the injury happened. So, you know, that's just kind of how football goes, but he is somebody that we paid a significant amount of money to that we wanted to come in and be a shutdown corner. And there was points today where Jacoby Brissett was targeting him. You know, Asante Samuel Jr. had a very quiet day. Going after him, yeah. Cornerback having a quiet day is obviously a very good thing, but Amari Cooper killed him today. Like any of those slants over the middle, that's just where – where he was insanely susceptible. He had a crosser on third down to Najoku that he got beat on. Um, I I 100% agree. I'm giving it more time as well. Definitely not going to go as far as to say, oh, well, he was a system cornerback or, well, he's washed now or any of this because, again, freak injury or just something, not necessarily freak injury, but kind of a random injury that he had to get cleaned up, you know, before he could get back out onto the field. So I'm I'm not ready to give up on him yet, but – Definitely need to see more out of him going forward. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree, and that's that's where I'll leave that at. But um, just pivoting back to the, the, the entire defensive side of the ball, um, let's talk about the pass rush, man, because it, it, it was not good yeah. today. I, I don't know how many pressures they generated. They, yeah. I don't think they had, they didn't record a single sack. They should have. On whatever the fuck Brissette, that like this, Houdini uh, Brissett magic show was that he somehow got out of that. Um, Jerry Tillery was in on the pressure, and I think I can't remember the other guy who missed him. Was it Covington? Uh, yes, it was Covington. Covington and Tillery missed him. Uh, they recorded three QB hits today. Tillery had one. Johnson had one. SJD had one. SJD, obviously, like we mentioned, had that absolute fucking bogus roughing the passer on a crucial call on third and four from the seven yard line that would have just tied the game. And then they ran it in next play, but dude, yeah. Pass rush was brutal today. And that was against a Browns offensive line. That is definitely very good towards the top of the league, but still like when you got guys like Khalil Mack, you know, actually now I say that when you have a guy like Khalil Mack, it's hard to do something with one person like that. That's basically just how Joey Bosa has been the last few years. You know, they can, double or triple team him and he's not going to get after quarterback because he's your really really your only vocal point so we definitely need somebody to step up going forward yeah you know i i I mean look the browns gashes on on the ground which i think that doesn't surprise a lot of us you know we we kind of predicted that going into this week's game um the alarming thing is just how much time brissette had had to throw and you have to at some point to to rattle a quarterback and and get out the field, you gotta you know you gotta force him into throws that he's not comfortable making, and you you just gotta you know you can't let him sit back there and, and just uh you know dink and dunk all day long. And when you have the the weapons that the Browns have, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, Mari Cooper, I mean David David Njoku, you just can't let you can't let the quarterback have time to find them. And um, that's that's pretty much what happened today. You know, he was had all day back there to, to throw and, and and go through his reads and, and all every single one of his progressions and and find someone that uh, that was open. Yeah, I know, man. That was 
not great. Defensive line overall did not have a great day today. Um, really, defense in general just did not have a great day today. Um, they stepped up. They got they got a stop or two when they needed to. But other than that, overall, like it was Browns are running the ball, throwing the ball at will. And that's just not something that you love to see. Let me ask you this. Uh-oh. At what point should Ronaldo Hill get canned? Because, and, and I want to add on to this too. Everyone knows Brandon Staley is running the defense, mm-hmm. right? It's hard. It, not that it can be done or that it isn't done currently uh, around the league and in other places. But it's hard, especially for a first-time head coach, to try to wear two hats on game day, right? That's being the head coach and being a coordinator. You have essentially two jobs. Um, Now, obviously, we know, quote-unquote, Ronaldo Hill is a defensive coordinator, but Staley's running this this ship, right? This is his defense. He assembled it. They're going to play his brand of football. At what point... Do you do you say, all right, Staley, Ronaldo Hill is not it. You need to go get a legit defensive coordinator that knows your brand of football and start giving more duties to a coordinator. That way you have, I don't know, more <laughs> whatever you want to call it, uh, mental energy to – to wear the head coach hat of this team. Because I think right now Staley looks like a coach that's trying his hardest to do like one too many things. And I just don't know. Like, I mean, this is a really long question, so I apologize. But at what point do you think they need to like seriously look at, you know, they're not going to get rid of Staley. He's the head coach. They can, but they wouldn't do that midseason. At what point do, do you think Ronaldo Hill is like seriously on the hot seat? Because I know, and that's the tough thing, is like, I know it's not his yeah. defense. He's kind of like an assistant coordinator. But, I mean, it's less of him being on the hot seat and, and more of just like, does Staley need a little bit more help on, on, on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, see, that's that's such a loaded question and such a tough question to ask because, again, I this question honestly comes down to Brandon Staley, if you think about it, because it's like, you know, when is when should Staley, you know, maybe start giving – Rolando Hill more of more of the ropes when should he start letting him call more of the plays but yeah, that is and that's the thing I just yeah it is tough I mean I, it's a thought I had I was trying to translate it from my head to a question but yeah I mean that that to me has kind of been my assessment of Staley over the first you know year and, and a few weeks that we've we've known him and, and had him as coach um and we just don't know. I mean, we don't know how many how many calls a game that, that come from Ronaldo Hill, if it's any, you know. But there could be situations where, who knows, maybe, you know, he was the one that recommended this and it worked out, and we'll never know because Staley's going to get all the all the, the credit, good or bad. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a tough – that's a really tough question. And, again, like you got a question, especially with coordinators, with how Staley wants to run things. When is it – that a coordinator gets on the hot seat. Cause like, I mean, we've had people going after Joe Lombardi's neck for the OC job. So especially when it's pretty much Joe Lombardi is the one that's running that it's hard to 
say, when is the DC going to be on the hot seat for a position where he's not even fully running? So that's – I think – yeah, no, I don't, I don't really think it's an- answerable right now at least. Um, but in theory, it does kind of sound like – like a better situation to have uh, a D coordinator that's more of like a an equal kind of you know like if he were to bring in like a guy like Fangio, you know that that knows his type type of of defense, the way he wants to play, um, you have a lot more trust in a, in a D coordinator like that you know whereas like hey man I can go worry about being a head coach for the next ten fifteen minutes you know I don't I don't have to try to take on too many roles because again i I've, I've never coached football i've never uh you know i'm not a coordinator i don't know all the duties that go into that you know we know the the main ones the the easy things that go into that you know like okay you got to call plays and you got to come up with a scheme like we just don't i don't know i feel like my early assessment on staley has been trying to do too much yeah that's Honestly, that's a good way to put it. That's a fair point, you know, but at the same time is Staley might just be too stubborn to let up a little bit. You know, Staley wants things run a certain way, and if he thinks he can do it himself, then that's his battle to face, not ours, not Renato Hills. That's not really anybody's battle to face other than himself. So, yeah, it, it does. that's a good question to ask, but again, I don't. I just don't think that we have the answers for that right now. Yeah, it's it's – I don't think it's answerable yet. I just think it's a thought that I had and I'm like, man, I need to like share this. But, um, so that, I mean, that's kind of my assessment on it so far, but yeah, I mean, overall, I think you just look at this defense and, and you look at Staley and what he had in LA with the Rams and you know, that that's, that's why he got hired. Yeah. Right. That's why he's here right now is because of his resume at places like Los Angeles, um, and you know, Chicago, Denver, all the places he, he was at coming up. Um, and then you look at this defense on Sundays and you're just like, it's not, something's not adding up. Yeah. No, I, I totally get that. I, I think, you know, we're, we're talking about the defense over the last two weeks, but let's realistically like week one, they looked pretty good again. They looked really good against Vegas, you know, week two, they yep. definitely had some areas of improvement, but week two really came down to a 99 yard pick six. So, I mean, there's, yep. there's areas, and then again, you got to then you got to think to yourself, you know, how much does Joey Bosa add into this equation? So it's it's really just a loaded question with just a lot of moving pieces that I, we just we don't have the answers to right now. Yeah, and look, this defense is going to get a chance to bounce back this next week, right? They got, I mean, the team gets an extra day of rest, and then the the struggling Broncos come into town. Uh, you know that everyone, really, the whole league has kind of followed the Broncos offensive struggles so far, you know, they've shit. They've been on primetime, I think half the season already, and they're going to be on primetime again. Mm-hmm. Um, four, four primetime games in the first six weeks of the season. I don't, I don't oh, remember the God, last time that man. happened for oh, anyone. So bad, but it is what it is. like they have to be out of primetime games for the entire year after this next week. No, for sure. Broncos should be banned from primetime for like three seasons after what they've put NFL fans through the last few weeks. But, it is what it is. But, I mean, great opportunity for, you know, a defense that's kind of struggling a little bit. I mean, let's let's put it honestly. You know, they, they are struggling a little bit. Um, 
don't need to to sugarcoat it. You know, they'll get a great opportunity to come back and and have one of those bounce back games. You know, um, shut down Russ, shut down this offense. They're dealing with injuries just like we are, and um, you know, you, you would like to see a, a complete game, uh, dominant effort. You know, hold them to to under fourteen. You know, just a dominant outing where it's like, exactly. hey, they get a touchdown and maybe two field goals, and that's yeah. it. Against especially when you're playing a cornball, like you can't let. If we have, if Russ scores more than twenty points on us, dude, I'm gonna be on suicide watch because, like, that is, <laughs> dude, God, he might be, dude, he might be hey. my most hated player in the NFL right now. I fucking hate that dude, but whatever. And the fact that I mean, you never want to see a player go down, and, and you know get hurt but the fact that Javante Williams is not you know incorporated in that offense now is just as like it gives me a sigh of relief you know it we saw two really good running backs running backs today and you just anytime you don't have to deal with that home run threat uh I think it's a, a sigh of relief so um no I mean other than that um just trying to think of anything about you know from today that we haven't talked about or um, that that I wanted to bring up. Yeah, just real quick, let's go over our bold takes. I know that we both went 0 for 2 this week. Um, oh, yeah. So yep. my bold, your point. bold take was Herbert's 400-yard game. Was not even close to that. Not even three. Not even close to three, really. And then my bold Dude, at one point, I thought I thought it could happen because it just given the circumstances. and down like, 14-0. You thought you would abandon the run game and, yeah. Yeah, I was like, he might have to to give us a chance. Um, so I did. There was probably a five minute window in that second quarter where I'm like, he, this kind of smells like a day where he could do it. Yeah. You know, um, obviously didn't know the ground game was going to be as dominant as it was. So you have to keep feeding that thing. And um, yeah, 228, but no, no interceptions, which I believe brings his touchdown to interception ratio to 10 to 2 yeah that sounds yeah i think so yeah that sounds about right um my bull prediction was <laughs> maybe just as far off as definitely just as far off as yours was uh kareem hunt and nick chubb combined for under 100 yards um <laughs> she says yeah, yeah. That, didn't, that didn't quite but that one was over I pretty quick chubb almost had 100 yards by the end of the first quarter so you know what it is what it yeah. is i was trying to just trying to be ambitious but Hey. Well, and it's funny because we all, all three of us, me, you, and Jacob, all kind of thought the game would go as a similar way. You know, Chargers get up early, get up big, and then Browns, you know, fight, make it a game, and it's a thriller at the, the end. Browns chargered and the Chargers chargered. Everyone chargered. It was the complete opposite. It was the complete opposite. It was the Browns who got off to the quick start up 14 nothing. Um, the Chargers had to be the ones that fought back scratch claw to get back into the game uh, took the lead and then it was just a seesawing battle from there you know five lead changes i think yep. um which is just insane so it was a it was a dog fight it was a battle it was a war and uh chargers came out on top yeah dude it was another stressful sunday but hey it feels good now i'm gonna live it up for the next Let's see. Live it up for the next. Can I just say, what a weekend for us. You know, Skurs win, uh, Pods win, Chargers win. Lots of lots of, dubs. Lots of reasons to be happy after a sports weekend like yes. this. I think we have 
is this next week in the sports equinox where it's gonna be yeah i believe is nba starting next weekend i know nhl is starting like this week i know nba i think nba i think nba usually starts like it's like right around halloween well it's coming up for sure so that'll be cool man um but yeah i'm just you know i'm focused i'm focused on just kind of living up this win right now um thinking about starting yeah hey you know think towards next monday night um but other than that man good dub yeah it's a, a win's a win you take it any way you can get it um happy Happy thoughts, happy dreams tonight as we sleep and wake up tomorrow on Victory Monday. I do just want to say my score prediction was off by two total points. I had uh, 31 to 27, so just barely missed that. But we were all pretty close. You were close as well. Yeah. What was mine? It was like 30. I'm surprised I even remember my own. Yeah, I need to start writing those down. But anyways, man, um, unless you have anything else to add, let's uh, let's get out of here. No, dude, I'm just... Good place to be. Bounce back. Not bounce back. We're not bouncing back. We won. Fuck. But I'm going to soak in this victory Monday. I'm going to rub it in my professor's face tomorrow, and it's going to be awesome. So There you go, man. Well, it's been another episode of Chargers Powder Hour. Thank you guys all so much for for tuning in and listening. This is a a victory edition. Chargers beat the Browns 30-28 to in a, a thriller in Cleveland. So, Make sure you guys follow us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at Powder Hour Pod LA for all the latest news and updates about the podcast and, of course, about our bolts. Bolt up.